Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today we've got a review of the new film, Blonde, from director Andrew Dominic and starring Anna de Armas. Film critic Philip Price is back on the show today to break down this challenging and divisive film. Stick around. Before we get into the show, don't forget Arthouse Garage has a Patreon. Sign up today for extended episodes, bonus episodes, video episodes, and ad-free episodes. All that, plus a discount on merch in the Arthouse Garage shop. Go to patreon.com slash arthousegarage today, or find a link in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. Welcome to Art House Garage. Australian filmmaker Andrew Dominic is the director behind such films as Chopper, Killing Them Softly, and The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. He's got an interesting body of work, and I was fascinated when I found out he would be directing the film we're discussing today. Streaming now on Netflix, the film is called Blonde, and it's about the life of Marilyn Monroe. Not only is the film difficult for its heavy subject matter and NC-17 rating, but it's also challenging with its mixture of color and black and white, its unusual narrative structure, and its varying aspect ratio. My guest today is Philip Price, the creator of the YouTube show Tavern Talk by Initial Reaction, which I've had the great pleasure of appearing on as a guest on a few occasions. Philip is a good friend and one of the first people I met when I was getting into the Arkansas film world, and he really helped me connect with a lot of people. I'll always be grateful to him for that, and I never pass up a chance to talk movies with him. Be sure to check out his YouTube show, which is linked in the show notes. One other note about this film, Blonde. After Philip and I recorded this discussion, it came to my attention that there is a lot of discourse around this film's politics, especially as it pertains to abortion. Philip and I touch on that subject a little bit, but I decided to record a few more thoughts about that, and you can hear it at the end of the episode, so stay tuned after my discussion with Philip for that. And with that, here first is the trailer for the film, followed by my discussion with Philip Price about Andrew Dominic's Blonde. Miss Monroe, it's time! you get your start? Maybe. What start? In movies. Continental. But diamonds are a girl's best friend. I guess I was discovered. Men broke home as girls. I know you're supposed to get used to it. And we all lose our jobs in the end. I just can't. Square cut or pear shape. I've played Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. I can't face doing another scene with Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn doesn't exist. When I come out of my dressing room, I'm Norma Jean. 
I'm still hurt when the camera is rolling. Philip Price, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like I have a lot of filmmakers on the show, but whenever there's a film critic, it's, it's just like a little bit of a different vibe and, and in a good way, nothing against filmmakers either. No. It's just, you know, different strokes, but I always enjoy talking with a fellow critic. I'd rather, so. you know, not nothing against you either. I enjoy talking to the filmmakers and I don't even know, like, yeah. I don't like to call myself a critic or anything like this is totally something, you know, yeah. I wish we could get paid for doing this stuff, but yeah. it's definitely <laughs> just, we do this because we love it type thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Maybe one day someone will come Maybe. hire us all for day jobs. Yeah. And we need, to, we need to just create a, <laughs> a, a platform where we all can just create our different niche stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that idea. There's something in there. Anyway, uh, always a pleasure to have you back. And, and yeah, I've right. Thank you. been on your show a handful of times. If anyone hasn't checked out Tavern Talk, uh, you got to definitely find the link in the show notes and see those. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we can kind of get into it today. Before we talk about Blonde, I was going to ask, is there anything else you've been watching recently you want to put on our radar? Um, so let's see. Uh, the we talk, you, you mentioned Tavern Talk. We should have a review coming up uh, for Smile here really soon, which mm, opens nice. um, just opened. I guess this will come out on the Monday. So it just opened this past yeah. weekend, um, uh, which was a lot better than I thought. A lot of people were nice. texting me saying they were so sick of that trailer. Um, because I guess it has played in front of uh, every movie for the past month or so. Um, but I, I tend to like uh, arrive 20 minutes late or like not get to the theater until yeah, uh, the you know, as yeah. the trailers are ending. Um, most of the time, just out of rushing to, you know, you know, yeah. you, you know how mm -hmm. the uh, Thursdays go at the movie tavern. So um, yes, it's yes. kind of crazy. But um, uh, yeah, Smile was a lot better than I expected it to be. Um, obviously saw Don't Worry Darling last week, which... Um, you know, for all the fuss and buzz and everything was kind of like, okay, that was fine. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, did watch, uh, Hocus Pocus two last weekend, um, oh, as nice. you know, a child raised in the nineties. I don't know how you feel about the first one. It's a, <laughs> uh, it's like a tradition in our household to watch it every year. One of my wife's favorite movies. So, uh, we were very excited to watch that. And, uh, you know, again, it's fine. Like it's been almost 30 years. It's just really cool to see those three actresses, yeah. um, play those characters again. So nothing groundbreaking, but if you're a fan of the first, I don't think this one's going to let you down either. Nice. What about you? Well, cool. Yeah. Well, to touch on all three of those really quick, I haven't seen Smile yet. I'm hoping to this weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm hearing that that kind of the same thing. Surprisingly good. I had seen that trailer a billion times. <laughs> also like the the viral marketing they were doing at like the baseball yeah. games and stuff. Just having the creepy smiling people behind the home plate on camera. I thought that was a pretty clever marketing thing. Um, and then uh, Don't Worry Darling. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I ended up liking it more than I thought I would. I, I, I think it's all the the nonsense. I, I do have some pretty big issues with it, but <laughs> we can get into those another time. But yeah, generally, I kind of enjoyed that movie. Um, and then, what was the third one you talked about? Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I 
didn't see that as a kid. I think it was like a, we didn't always do Halloween at my house kind of thing. Okay. So when I got to college and it's like, oh, everyone has all this nostalgia for this thing. So I've actually never seen the first one. So I, I, it's one of those huge blind spots that I need to you need, uh, check in. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need a first time watching reaction video on your channel. Now oh, that, would be fun. that would be really fun. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that would, you know, especially if you put the, put yourself in context for it. That yeah, would, that's pretty that would crazy. Be That'd be a good thing. Yeah. One of the, uh, so one of the jokes in the first Hocus Pocus is that, um, to bring back the witches from, you know, the past, bring them back to life for this one night is a virgin has to light the candle like this, uh, like what is called the black flame candle. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a kid, I, I did, I thought virgin, I literally, I thought virgin <laughs> was like a different religion or something when they said that. Um, and they acknowledged that, uh, little kids probably don't know what that means in the second one. So it was a, it was a pretty good, <laughs> a little, um, pretty good little nod there that I, I enjoyed, but That's yeah, cool. anyway. Yeah. I think it was just like, yeah, parents weren't quite sure about the witchy stuff all the time. And <laughs> yeah. that was probably the reason I missed it. Um, but yeah, always wanted to. Uh, so this is well, the time, our, I guess, to watch our daughter's about to turn eight and she still hasn't watched it. We, we, we were thinking about seeing if this was the year, this was the Halloween with the second one coming out, yeah. if it was time, but we'll see. I don't know. It, it is, yeah. it's darker than I remember it being now that I've watched yeah, it for years as an adult. So yeah, my son is obsessed with Halloween <laughs> since last Halloween. He's just been like playing Halloween music all year oh, so really? he's really excited so i think he's funny. probably ready uh but yeah maybe but, we'll watch yeah. that as a family you'll have to we'll let me do know. a double feature yes fun. exactly exactly <laughs> we're into the popcorn and everything cool. yeah uh only other thing i was going to highlight that i watched recently is uh see how they run the uh, little oh. murder mystery kind of thing mm-hmm. which i didn't have very high hopes for but then i saw i, I think it got kind of middle of the road reviews but then i saw a few yeah. people really coming to bat for it and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks like um, kind of like Wes Anderson ripoff or something. It definitely has that kind of a vibe to it. But I thought it was better than that and um, definitely okay. brings its own kind of style to things. And it, it really is a, a fun a fun little twist on the murder mystery. I feel like there's been a lot of, I mean, like with Knives Out and different yeah. things, there's a lot of different like takes on murder mystery stuff. And But this one feels a little more... I don't know, classical, if that's the right word, but it, it, it plays with it in, in some different ways than, than like what Knives Out does. So I recommend that. I think especially if you're into murder mysteries, people will really enjoy it. And Saoirse Ronan is really good. Uh, I feel like I've seen her in a lot of stuff, but this was just kind of more of a down-to-earth performance for her, and I really thought it was great. So, Oh, good. I've been wanting to catch it. I, um, you know, they you know, nothing was released for a month and then they decided to like drop five new movies in theaters at the same time. So that was the one that's kind of like, uh, gone by the wayside for me, but I did really want to check it out, especially, yeah, I'd heard the knives out by way of Wes Anderson kind of comparisons and everything, but, uh, Uh, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really anxious to see it. Obviously that the cast looks great and I'm always in the back for uh, a good murder mystery. So um, yeah. looking forward to it. I, I hope to catch it before it leaves theaters, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I think it'll probably be there another week or two. We'll see. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, other than that, I've been watching blonde. So let's get into today's film. Uh, and I'm really excited to talk about this with you because it is, it's, it's proving to be a pretty divisive one on, on the internet. So before we talk about Blonde, uh, how many of Andrew Dominic's other films have you seen? And are you generally a fan of him? What do you think of him as a filmmaker? Yeah, so that's, um, it, it's kind of weird because I, I didn't see Chopper. I wasn't aware of him, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that was 2000 or something. And, and then mm-hmm. so I didn't know of him and or hear his name really until Assassination of Jesse James, which was like, mm-hmm. 07, 08, I think. 
And, um, uh, but that one, yeah, that was like really when I was starting to like try to see everything in that, mm-hmm. that time frame when that came out. And so I saw it and it kind of was one of those ones that like I had just discovered Malik too and like gone back mm-hmm. and tried to watch, um, a lot of his stuff. And so it was very much like, Oh, this guy's kind of going for that. And it, it was kind of just like rocked my world a little bit. Like I loved it. Uh, I love the interrogation into, um, you know, this figure I'd heard about my entire mm-hmm. life, this name that I instantly recognized, but I didn't really know anything about the person behind it. Um, so I thought that mm-hmm. was really, really good. Um, and as like, obviously Roger Deakins did the cinematography on that. It looks amazing. Um, that's something that, uh, it has in common with blonde, uh, and, and so he's just a very gifted visual storyteller. And again, uh, but again, like to bring up Malik, it kind of felt in the same vein as I, um, you know, would go on and always like recommend Jesse James to people. Um, I would kind of like feel that Andrew Dominic was a distant filmmaker. Like I didn't know a lot about him either. It was just like mm-hmm. this guy who, uh, you know, he made a couple years later, killing them softly. And I saw that when I was eagerly awaiting that one, just because of how much I loved uh, assassination of Jesse James. Um, I haven't seen either of his documentaries around Nick Cave or uh, Warren Ellis or mm-hmm. um, anything like that. Obviously, um, uh, I think he directed a few episodes of Mindhunter. Watched that. Very disappointed. There hasn't been more of it. But um, yeah, just it was really um, on him alone that I was anticipating Blonde. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like like Jesse James, I know you know, the iconic stuff about Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen a couple documentaries. Um, I know the famous scenes and the famous movies, but um, I haven't seen a lot of like, I've seen some like it hot, but like not, um, I'd, I'd love to be able or just have the time to go back and have watched a lot of the movies that mm-hmm. um, is represented in Blonde. Um, just hasn't happened yet. It will at some point, but you know, it is what it is. And um, so it was kind of like, Oh, uh, maybe it'll be similar to Jesse James and in interrogating this person's psychology and bringing to light some stuff that, um, you know, I, I wasn't aware of about this icon who was largely relegated to just imagery for me, you know, and mm-hmm. for you, someone who was, you know, who died decades before we were even born. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I really liked Dominic's work and was looking forward to Blonde largely just based on the fact that he was making it. But yeah. obviously that's kind of come to be um a little problematic as well so <laughs> yeah that's an interesting interesting point about it too yeah as far as me and dominic's work uh, actually i've only seen a couple and that is the jesse james um session the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford which right. <laughs> I, yeah i think i saw in <laughs> that's the full title i think i saw it in like 2010 or something and really liked it and i haven't seen it since and i have you know it's been one I, I think we were tweeting about like, why, why isn't there a 4k of this? If once they yeah. drop the 4k, I'm going to watch it again, probably. Oh, 100%. But I remembered really loving it. And then just a few weeks ago to kind of prepare for this, I was like, I'll watch something else that he did. And I watched one of the Nick Cave documentaries. Okay. I didn't know much about Nick Cave either, but there's two of them. One is called one more time with feeling. That's the one I watched. And that one is about the recording of a particular album. I think in like 2015, and he also Nick Cave's son had recently passed away. And so it's about grief oh, okay. and kind of looking at that. So it's really and that album is sort of tied up in that. But I knew nothing about Nick Cave going into it and still really yeah. loved it. So I'll I'll recommend that. I think it's on movies where I streamed it. Oh, okay. And, uh, it's there's a lot of in the studio performance scenes and just like the camera just going crazy doing wild stuff. Um, actually really similar to some of the stuff in Blonde because it's it's in this kind of rich black and white most of mm-hmm. the film. Um, so I do recommend that. And then the other Nick Cave doc is called, uh, 
this much I know to be true. I had to think about it. And I have not seen that one, uh, but it's also streaming a movie. And I think it's more of a, just like a performance documentary. So uh, yeah. So those are my only two reference points for him. I've heard great things about killing them softly. Yeah. Um, I like killing them softly. Not at first. um, Yeah. (laughs) I think I didn't get it uh, a little bit, but it's one that kind of like, grew on me a little bit and I've watched it once or twice, maybe over the last 10 years, um, nice. not recently, but once or twice in, in that decade span. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's really solid. Yeah. looks great again. Yeah. Yeah. The visuals there. I was just looking to see who cinematographer was for blonde. Cause it's, it's uh, chase Irvin who, uh, okay. I'm looking, I think it, they must've worked together on the Nick cave stuff. I'm assuming maybe that's not true though. I'm glancing at IMDb and I don't think that's true, but he worked on lemonade. That's pretty cool. Some other Beyonce music videos, oh, wow. black Klansmen. Um, mm. So yeah, interesting. That, that's a, a, a cool or a good name to know here. But yeah. as far as myself and how much did I know about Marilyn Monroe? Pretty much same. Like I knew the iconic things. I really liked the film. Some like it hot. Right. Which <laughs> this movie made it a little harder to be a fan of that film. Now <laughs> I'm not being able to watch it again the same way, uh, which is, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and I knew she'd been kind of used and abused by Hollywood and uh, that there was some JFK connection there too. Um, so what's interesting about this film is as it, as it kind of got into it, I realized, you know, I don't know that historical accuracy is necessarily the, the goal of what he's trying to do with blonde. And, right. And that, that kind of became more and more apparent. And then afterwards, I did a little research. And so it's based on the Joyce Carol Oates novel right. by the same title. And she has said she does not intend her novel to be, uh, you know, historically accurate. It's it's right. more an exploration of um, just the psyche of someone who might have been in these situations, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I read just a little article that's like, what's different between the book and the movie? And so we can get into some of that maybe if it's relevant. Um so yeah, that's basically my my knowledge of Marilyn Monroe going into the film. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you were anticipating this one pretty highly, like you had it on your top ten anticipated of the fall yeah. season. So I'm curious, did it live up to those expectations? Did it defy your expectations in a good way or a bad way? Or how how did you generally feel about the film? Yeah, I'm I'm really torn on it, honestly, because um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, you know, I knew it was based on this book by Oates. I knew it was a largely like fictionalized account that she kind of used um the uh the figure of marilyn monroe to kind of explore this um whether it be the abuse she endured the um the hollywood system at that time um stuff like that but i i i don't know it's like um i i it's like i want to really like at least give dominic the credit that (laughs) whatever he's going for here. And that's like the thing, like I don't want to dismiss this movie just because it Mm -hmm. is hard to watch and like difficult to, um, to endure. It's, I mean, because it is like, it it really is like just an almost um, like it. I mean, it's closer to two and a half hours. I feel like than the three hour mark maybe, but um, you know, when, when all is said and done, but like I, it is tough to get through, like, especially, um, you know, it starts when she's a child, um, and her mom is very unwell, um, and does some, you know, horrific things to her. Um, and, and she just has to, you know, it, it, it's really hard. Like I've really tried to 
like prepare for this in a way um, because I am really excited to talk about it and have the opportunity to talk about it with it, you know, going straight to Netflix. I I wasn't going to get to really discuss it anywhere else. So I've been really trying to like process how I feel about it. And I'm still just like, I want it to mean, maybe I want it to mean more than um, the final product like actually has in its Mm -hmm. soul. But like, I feel Mm -hmm. like there is a possibility there um, with, if, if, if I'm, if you're able to rewatch it, if you're able to revisit it, if you're able to like break it down a little bit more, um, to be able to glean whatever Dominic is trying to say here, why he's trying to say it. Um, you know, I've heard and read that he himself wasn't a huge fan of Marilyn Monroe or, um, her films necessarily. And so I don't know what necessarily compelled him to uh you know spend years of his life making a movie about her um Mm -hmm. but there's obviously something there something that he found attractive about this story whether it be her um you know her the image the symbol of her in particular or just um the ideas behind what she went through and how those you know you know what he can say through those but yeah i don't know like obviously i'm having i'm I'm stumbling a lot here and that's just because it's it's i i really like i I went into this really wanting to like it i had high expectations for it no doubt Mm -hmm. um and and again largely because of dominic and and what he was able to do with uh assassination of jesse james and i kind of i don't know if i expected that same thing applied to marilyn monroe Mm -hmm. um but it's definitely not that and then i'm like okay well i appreciate that he's not just you know, going mm-hmm. back to the well that he knows he can do so well, but he's, you know, he's, he's doing something different and doing it in a way that, um, is, is, you know, the, the, the um, I feel like the argument is, is whether this is thoughtful or not or considerate. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to just dismiss it because I don't like what it's showing me. Um, mm-hmm. but I, 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 at this, you know, on the same flip of the coin, it's like, well, what, what are you trying to show me? So I I don't know. I'm having a really difficult time trying to comprehend it. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird movie. I think that's the the thing I kept thinking is like, this is a lot weirder than I expected it to be. But I mean, I guess the Jesse James movie is kind of weirder than you might expect if you're going in thinking, Oh, this is gonna be a Malik thing. But then it's also, uh, I think it's weirder than that movie for sure. Oh Um, yeah. But then it's interesting because it has the the sort of we're going to look at this historical figure of of Jesse James, similar thematic thing or similar like setup. And then the style of it, as I mentioned with that Nick Cave documentary, is very similar. And actually, as it got into it, I was like, this music must be Nick Cave because I think just based on the vibe. And it is. It's Nick Cave and uh, what is it? Warren Ellis who yeah. did it together. It's also kind of an unusual score. And I, I did end up liking the music, um, but it's it's not what you expect for I don't know, a biopic, I guess. And, and obviously this is a, a, not just a straightforward biopic. Right. Really. Even though in some ways, I mean, it starts, it's cradle to the grave in a way and that's, yeah. that's, I feel like for a long time, that was like the formula for biopics and there's all these inventive ways people have done it differently in recent it, years. It goes um, to the uh, magazine montage, the magazine covers and yeah. stuff a lot quicker than I thought it would. Yeah. Especially for him, like, but. Really jumps into that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, so it's, it's interestingly, it's like not showy about some of those things. Like, it just suddenly we see her from child to adult. There's not like a big moment where she suddenly, you know, like it reveals right. her adult self. It's just like, Oh, here we are. We're in this time. And also like the technical things about like the aspect ratio, changing the color and the black and white. It's just all over the place without 
like a an exact formula of as to why at least that was obvious to me um, no i was gonna, actually I that was interesting yeah yeah well I, okay. that's i was going to ask you about that because i um literally like wrote down in my notes and i i did like watch this maybe one and a half times trying okay. to figure out if there was reasoning behind the aspect ratio changes the the black and white and color which ones he showed in which um or you know the events depicted in black and white and color why he was um why he was setting either of those in in that um yeah in that presentation and i i'm really not sure <laughs> what the reasoning might be so i was curious yeah. if you if you figured yeah. out I mean, I mean the only thing i could think is that it must be about like the feeling he wants to evoke in that exact moment which is right. so interesting to like write the script and be like okay here we're going to do this and here we're going to do this and like how do you make those decisions yeah um but because like sometimes it even goes like really narrow like like an iphone mm -hmm. like a like what four three or three four whatever vertical right. for a few frames which is interesting too um i guess to, to answer the general question of whether i like this film i think i do but yeah kind of like you i'm like i feel pretty torn about it um i like that it's gutsy and that it's like you know this is not the film anyone thought they were signing up for to watch, right. you know, uh, like it's, it's not what you expect. Um, it is, I think it, it kind of borders on like, I don't know the term like misery porn. Like it's very, as you mentioned, challenging to get through from just a plot level. Like the things that are happening are really difficult to her. And then the, I think the way it's shot is also challenging in another way to like, it's, it's not straightforward at all so I'm, I'm just imagining how many people are going to turn this on on netflix and go, oh i'm Aaron Monroe thing and just hate it you know yeah. <laughs> i think that's probably going to be a lot of people's experience um but i did you know enjoy is not the right word but i did appreciate <laughs> i think a lot of what's going on here um and so i think so if we're looking at it and the historical accuracy question as i mentioned like that's probably not what he's going for but i think her as a figure she kind of stands for in, in for like I mean, me too. It's like a perfect kind of uh, looking back and seeing the problems that have always been there mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And, um, and also just like the, the way women in particular are abused by show business and then also just like male gay stuff. So that was something that I was definitely keyed into because I heard like, uh, okay, okay. There's this NC 17 movie about <laughs> Marilyn Monroe right. coming out that obviously that, that seems like it's going to have a lot of sexuality in it. And then um, it was actually Joyce Carol Oates who had a quote that she had seen it earlier and said, I think the exact quote was like, he really, he like not dismantles or he, he doesn't use the male gaze in this film, which is remarkable. And that's what she said. And so I was like, how does that work? That's interesting. So I was, that was something I keyed into. And I think it probably is successful in that way that it's, it, depicts a lot of sexuality without being erotic I, I exactly think, and yeah. I, I think that's um important to tell a story like this so i think it succeeds in that way um yeah but yeah it is it is so challenging and again it just has like weird stuff in it like the 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 pregnancy scenes there's a few different times that she was pregnant which interestingly like i don't know that she was actually pregnant that many times or it's possible that she was pregnant way more times I and mean, there's not really a that's right. an interesting thing too about like how historical is this there's a lot that's just not known about her and there's differing you know stories mm -hmm. and stuff um but like <laughs> the the tweetable moment that i've been seeing people talking about is like oh the fetus talks to her that's interesting right. <laughs> like i think some people are really hating that that scene um i i think on some level i respect the weirdness of all of that kind of stuff and uh and, and i think 
Dominic also has this tendency to like go cosmic and like there's like shots of the stars and like there's one moment where like the stars turn into sperms and it's like that's that's just like a little weird symbolization of oh she's pregnant now and like that's how it teaches that information because yeah there's not much that's just like revealed straightforward with dialogue it gets all either visual or maybe it is with dialogue but it's kind of indirect um which I, again, I kind of respect that it, it's as an experience of watching it. It's again, it's challenging. Um, but it is, I don't know. I, I, I respect the guts of this movie, I guess, the, that it took to make it, but um, would not besmirch anyone for not enjoying it. And I've seen, certainly I've seen like a lot of takes on both sides of this. Like I've tried to avoid those kinds of things, but it's so 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 many people yelling about this movie on twitter like uh, a, a critic i really like chris evangelista gave it five stars as is one of his favorite things this year and then people are like you're a bad person for liking this movie it's like the, the, oh the opinions are all over the place so um yeah all that to say it's it's an interesting one um i, I was gonna ask you too are there any uh well i, I guess i kind of got into the thematic stuff a little bit was there any other uh, thematic things that you liked about this or didn't like? Well, it just, yeah, they, um, you know, uh, you know, I had 500 different things to say right there as you were talking about, <laughs> I've, I've blanked, but, um, no, the, I guess, uh, where to start is, um, the, because of the division there, um, because there are such wildly different takes on either side. Um, it, it's one of those things that kind of leads me to believe that, uh, this very easily could be reevaluated in five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and people come to see, maybe it become more apparent what he was going after here. Maybe the, uh, the main idea, uh, because I really do like when a director kind of latches onto, um, just one single aspect of a character or a story and decides, okay, this is my focus point. You know, yes, it's going to go cradle to grave, but I am going to, focus on this one thing that um that factored into their lives constantly and Mm -hmm. and if there's anything in this that i feel like dominic kind of latched onto and again i haven't read the book so i don't know what Mm -hmm. oats kind of like pulls out uh for her um to evoke her um uh provoke is probably a good Mm -hmm. better word than invoke there but um um to provoke her ideas is um just this kind of uh idea of contrasts like she um you know from from the first time we see her growing up her mom makes her believe that she is the daughter of this um hollywood royalty of of sorts that um she's kind of destined to um you know to to be a star type thing um and yet she she treats her terribly you know and it's like uh, you know and and she goes you know I don't know if she was like adopted or what just stayed with the neighbors for a while and then mm-hmm. was put in an orphanage. Um, you know, again, I'm not sure what all is fact and fic- versus fiction, but um, yeah. And then by the time we, you know, and it goes straight from this like terrible childhood to mm-hmm. her getting her big break in Hollywood. But in order to do that, she is, you know, sexually assaulted and taken mm-hmm. advantage of. And um, that is just the way that she's, you know, she expects that to happen in order to get her big break is, is at least how it's played in the movie. It feels like, Mm. and uh, you know, so she has to get to this, um, you know, this place of being this 
revered beauty and this icon and, um, you know, someone who is celebrated as a star by doing all these nasty, ugly things. And, um, it's just constant, you know, and she, and then, you know, we learn further. She, she doesn't just want to, you know, be a star, to be famous, to, um, be kind of come this symbol that we've known her as our entire life. Cause she, she like, I mean, you can tell me if you had the same experience, but like growing up, it was like, Oh, Marilyn Monroe, I don't know a lot about her, but she's like the ideal image of like a blonde, uh, attractive lady. And it's like, that is, you know, sexy. That's just what that, that is. And uh, Marilyn Monroe kind of embodied that. And like, that's just, that's just kind of what it was. Um, but you know, for, I, I feel bad cause that's all I knew her as growing up. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this movie is her struggling to be taken seriously. Um, you know, she goes to New York, uh, to, um, study, legit acting you know she has ideas about the script she's reading and uh how you know she can interpret the character she's playing i mean she married arthur miller for god's sake and like and they connected obviously on some level and arthur miller you know obviously gets the credit for being an incredibly intelligent intellectual so um you know and writer and everything so it's just like yeah it's just constant uh kind of struggling to find you know, it, it does bashes over the head with just bad experience after bad experience, mm-hmm. terrible things happening to her, terrible men in her life, you know, just patterns again and again. And that's probably the detriment to the movie is that it doesn't let up on that. And um, the fact being that it is th- almost three hours long, um, it kind of hits those same notes over and over again. And it's mm-hmm. like, OK, we get it. This, you know, she had a terrible life, at least as as far as you're telling us. And um, but. I mean, there, I, I definitely feel like there's a point there, um, uh, as far as like the talking fetus and everything, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, again, that is, it's, it's one of those contrasts. Like at one point she says, you know, this, you know, she's standing, getting applause, um, for this performance she's given, um, right. It, it does the diamonds are a girl's best friend, uh, mm. a sequence and she, you know, is getting a roaring applause for it. And, you know, there's like voiceover or something that says uh, you killed your baby for this or something like mm, that. Yeah. And it's just like, again, you know, uh, you know, I won't get into all that stuff. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 but there are abortion sequences in this and they are freaking, mm-hmm. you know, like gutting, like they are terrifying. Yeah. And um, it uh, it's just, yeah, again, that contrast, like she wants, she, it, it tells us like at least the Maryland of this movie um, you know, yearns to be a mother, yearns to have a child, yearns to share in that experience with a partner and everything. And um, she just can't. That's always contrasted by her trying to become this bigger star, to make it in Hollywood, to please everybody in that uh, uh, in that area of her life. So it's just mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, that constant battle for balance that she just cannot obtain. And it just continues to sway in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. There's there's definitely a lot to unpack, I feel like. And there's there's definitely yeah. plenty to talk about that Dominic has put in his movie. Um, I just, you know, I, I kind of think it's being too easily dismissed, honestly, just because it's kind of difficult to get through and people don't like what it's saying maybe about Marilyn Monroe um, mm-hmm. because it's not 100% true. And, you know, if you get your history from the movies, you get the history you deserve. So uh, you can go and read, uh, um, you know, something about, the actual Marilyn Monroe, you know, authorized by her estate or whatever, but this is an interpretation to say something else. So take that on those merits, I guess. Yeah. 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 No, I like all that. I think, yeah, as, as far as the, I thought about a lot about the parenting stuff, like her desire to be a parent mm-hmm. and then 
her uh, there's this relationship with her father which actually that's one of my favorite aspects of this too is that we throughout the film have this um these letters that her father has sent her and went and she knows yeah. very little she doesn't know her father's name i didn't actually research like i don't know if, if the world knows who her father really is um but yeah, yeah and, and i won't spoil kind of where that goes in the end but that, i thought that was a good construct to have this kind of sort of third party kind of looking at everything as we go um but yeah i thought that was that was gutting too it was like uh just her and and, and of course that then becomes a an issue where um she, all of her lovers she's calling daddy and like that's like a, a a through line and apparently as as much as that is like cringy and like hard to watch what i read about like as far as the novel versus the film apparently that's mm-hmm. way more in the novel too and i was like how like he toned it down a lot is what this article said and okay. so like the novel just really goes with that i was like because it seemed like they did it a lot in this too yeah, um, yeah but... when it, when she called dimaggio <laughs> daddy i was like okay weird uh yeah but then when she was still calling arthur miller that i was like what's yeah. going on why yeah. are you doing it's like this a, it's so hot a whole through line with her life <laughs> yeah. at least according to the film um but yeah that i, I wanted to say too like the arthur miller i think some of my favorite sequences are the arthur miller part yeah. of the film because first of all adrian brody is so good under oh, so, armis is incredible adrian brody kills it in every scene like when they have that coffee together and oh. they, i guess when he falls for her and like because he's he's thinking oh she's this dumb blonde right and that's kind right. of how he's approaching her and she defies that and, and i love that scene so much that's probably my one of my favorite moments in the i was movie. gonna say i don't know if it's just because it was like uh, a glimmer of light in the darkness yeah. of the movie as a whole, <laughs> but that was one of my favorite scenes too. I was just like, Oh, yeah. so nice. <laughs> a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I have another favorite moment. I'll tell in a minute. That's not a happy one, but um, okay. one, one other just interesting thematic thing, which apparently this is something the novel does too a lot is like the whole Norma Jean versus Marilyn Monroe dichotomy yes. where she, mm-hmm. she really treats her like Marilyn's other person. And that's not me. Right. And that's, that's, throughout the film people look at the screen but that's not really me i can't believe that's me up there um and that there's a shot that Im- kind of embodies that that i thought was so good too and it's it's almost like it towards the end it's like i hope she shows up today with that it kind of gets to this weird moment where she's like having to like become possessed in a way or something and her makeup guys they're like marilyn will be here don't worry and the yeah. shot is where she's like she's weeping she's so upset and the camera kind of swirls around and then in the mirror you see like the glowing marilyn monroe persona uh in that one little shot i thought that was a really nice touch as well do you feel Um, like because i mean again i guess that kind of speaks to the the contrast thing but uh do you feel like the movie almost found its footing a little more as it got towards the end um Hmm. and it just like took forever to get there or like they didn't like they knew what they wanted to say and they couldn't figure out how to successfully execute it until it like kind of worked through all this baggage and then finally got there. But by that point they were like, well, this is the end of the movie. I don't know what to do now. Um, that's a good, but you that's just a good question. It. Yeah. Kind yeah, of, well, I'm just, yeah, you saying that kind of made me feel like, yeah, you're right. It did. Cause that, yeah, at the end is kind of when she's like, I think at one point she's like, uh, like praying to Marilyn almost. Yeah. And, yeah uh, it was just kind of like, Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah. 
yeah, it's, it doesn't make it that explicit until what it's like mm-hmm. two thirds through or almost the end. Yeah. And really right. from there to the end, I think is maybe the strongest part of the film. Maybe you're right about that. Cause I, I think that right after that, there's a sequence where she's going to the premiere for uh, some like it hot. And she's, that's the, really the only sequence we see like the full Marilyn glory of right. like everyone's admiring her and she's like hammering it up and loving it. Um, because other than that, it's, it's, the the Maryland persona is kind of kept at a distance. Like we hear about her, we know she's on the screen, but we don't really see her in the performance until then. Hey, if you are a podcaster or you've ever thought about starting a podcast, listen up. Obviously I love podcasting. I've been doing it since 2018 and now I can't imagine my life without this creative outlet. But as Rachel Sinnott's character reminded us in the recent film Bodies, 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 podcasting is hard. Not only do you have to do all the logistics of scheduling guests and developing the content of your shows, there's a whole lot of technical stuff you have to handle also. Recording, editing, making the audio sound good, making the video look good if you're doing video, it can be overwhelming. That's why I started using Zencaster. It's an amazing tool for recording audio and video remotely without sacrificing quality. It's really easy to set up a virtual recording room, invite guests, and then all you have to do is hit record and start chatting. I'll tell you what I love about it too is the ability to do footnotes as you record. So if my dog barks while I'm recording and I need to remember to go back and edit around it, all I have to do is type a short footnote and then I've got a time-stamped reminder. I don't have to listen back to an entire episode anymore to edit my podcast thanks to that feature. It's a huge time saver for me. On top of that, Zencaster does automatic post-productions for audio and video, so you literally press a button and it spits out a file that's mixed and ready to go, and it all happens right in your web browser. There's a bunch more features you can see on their website, and there's even a free version so you can test things out. And best of all, at least for me, if I ever have any questions or issues, their customer support chat is always right there to help me so I never feel like I'm on my own. Go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code ARTHOUSE, that's A-R-T-H-O-U-S-E. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. But another moment that I really love, this is earlier, it's the other film premiere where she's not in a good headspace. Well, not that Marilyn Monroe is her good headspace, but like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that whole thing. But she's there and she's very upset. And the paparazzi are there. And this is where the, the I'll call it the monstrous men sequence where all the men are at the, oh yeah, uh, like going crazy. And their, their faces start to just stretch and look mm-hmm. like eerily like, and I think, so I like that it, it deals with the male gaze stuff, but in ways that are kind of unexpected. I think there's only one moment where we have someone explicitly like, like ogling her. And that's when she mm-hmm. has this audition at the beginning and they're all like, that was terrible. And then the boss is like, she sure is hot or whatever. He says something yeah. horrible about her. But other than that, it's, it's like, we know that that's a, a big aspect of the story and of her life, but it doesn't have to make it explicit and obvious in that way. So I like that right. about it. But yeah, that scene where she's with the paparazzi and they're, they're just looking so weird. It reminds me of like in midsummer where they're, they're on like a drug and they're on acid and like weird little things just are happening in the background. Like there's faces in the trees and you might not even notice it. Is that kind of like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? Kind of like leading in moment. Right. Um, 
and then one other the kind of favorite moment of the film is, and I won't spoil what happens here, but there's a, a scene near the end where or sequence where she's in her apartment and it's very dark and we have like a night vision thing where mm-hmm. we can see stuff that she can't like it because it's so dark. Right. Um, and that I found so without spoiling what like what happens there, I just found it so scary like genuinely yeah. scary um so anyway i like i like a lot of those filmmaking aspects of it um well i really love one the, of the um, yeah oh sorry i was just gonna say um you know early in the film uh like there is um i guess a wildfire um mm-hmm. and there that whole sequence of her mother taking you know um child norma jean to to try to escape and everything um you know that that combined with the um the early sequences with uh, Charlie Chaplin Jr. and mm-hmm. Edward, uh, Edward Robinson, Edward G. Robinson Jr., um, which is a whole other kind of section we haven't even <laughs> talked about yet. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that. That is kind of where it, it kind of veers off course for a minute, but also it is essential um, uh, <laughs> in other to ways. Later start, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I don't know because it's. I liked how the that that the wildfire stuff looked and the escape and everything. Just yeah, visually, like the like, ashes floating. Yeah, that yes, looked really like, nice. That looks great. Um, the visuals, yeah, the the visual presentation and the performances, I think, are you know things that would be universally praised. It's the rest of it that is kind of uh, up for up for heavy debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I meant to ask you more directly. I just kind of got into it, but like, what were there other filmmaking things? Like you mentioned, the fire. Are there any other scenes or just aspects of the filmmaking that you wanted to highlight, or was that everything? No, I, I didn't like. I didn't mind the um, <clears throat> the the varied aspect ratios and stuff, mm-hmm. and especially with. Um, because it does look very, um, very close to the time period. Like there's obviously mm. painstaking, you know, links taken here to, to get the details mm, right. Design and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- there are certain shots where you would swear it was, you know, a, a shot taken from like 1957 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it, it's, it definitely looks great. There's definitely an artistry to it. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's just the the actual content of it is uh, kind of renders that beauty ugly, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the um, the the, uh, the the way that that. So I guess they, you know, I don't. I I've, I I did read that the whole section with the two juniors is completely made up. Um, they yeah, never like yeah. were in a threesome or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't cool. know like where that came from or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if that was just a way to kind of like, um, you know, show Marilyn like who she really was or, uh, you know, or to bring the yeah. Marilyn out of Norma Jean, I guess would be, uh, kind of the mm-hmm. point of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, that was very, um, I didn't, I, I, I'm, I don't know if it's naive of me, but at first I was like, what is, what is going on here? And then I was like, Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was just, yeah. yeah. And then, and then it just kind of, yeah, again, with the nonlinear stuff, it kind of just abruptly jumps to um, how it has to end in order for the rest of her, you know, yeah. some of the fact-based stuff to actually check mm-hmm. out and be checked off. So, I don't know. It was, yeah, that's, I'm not sure if that relationship is from, maybe that must be from the novel, I'm thinking. But I'm not sure, but it is It is interesting that it's kind of, it almost, the sections of the film kind of go with her relationships. Her relationships, like, yeah. There's, yeah, those two guys, then there's Judge Maggio, and like the their character names are just uh, the ex-athlete 
and like it's what's in the credits and uh, yeah. on IMDb. And that also is from the novel. Apparently, she didn't ever yeah. name Joe DiMaggio or Arthur Miller in the novel. But I, call I just figured, uh, yeah. you know, those people's families didn't want their names associated with how they were <laughs> characterized here. Yeah, that's possible too. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but, but yeah, that is, that is that's probably a good read on it because I was kind of thinking, okay, if this relationship with Charlie Chaplin Jr. and uh, forgetting the other guy's name, if that wasn't historical yeah, Edward G. Robinson, it, yeah. Yeah, Edward G. Robinson, there you go. But I think that's probably a good call is that it, it sort of, in a way, for the purposes of this film, it kind of helped birth Marilyn Monroe as a, as yeah. a figure. But I think, too, that the, the fact that he's Charlie Chaplin Jr. is interesting because he has a little monologue about you know the feeling, the expectations of um, having this father figure. And, of course, she has no father. And, like, they have, like, a little almost argument about that that i thought was interesting but yeah but yeah i was about i was about to say the same thing because they they both are like they both yeah they say something along the lines of um you know we were born knowing who we were supposed to Mm be uh, you know with expect you know people expecting who we were we were going to be and and you don't have that you get to be whoever you want to be you get to make it up and so that's kind of where yeah the whole uh like you know you can make up the Marilyn monroe and they even kind of laugh at the uh or charlie chaplin mm. jr kind of kind of mocks the Marilyn monroe name because it's like it even sounds mm, so fake yeah. or something like that yeah, um, yeah, yeah and yet and yet you know yeah she she wants what they have and and they want the freedom to be able to do what she gets to do so it's again yeah. it just goes back to that conflicting stuff but um mm. you know i don't i i feel like especially given Jesse James and killing them softly, that there's got to be more to it than that, that there's something deeper mm. and m- smarter that I'm just not understanding sure. or seeing yet upon, <laughs> mm. at least upon like, you know, initial watch and everything. Like the, I just, I, I would be hard pressed to say, yeah, I, I got it all on that first watch. And yeah, and, yeah for sure. And that there's that, that it's shallow enough that I, that I understood everything he was trying to go for that, I yeah. just, really got to believe that there's more to it than that. And that the, you know, the more familiar with it, you become, uh, the more layers will become apparent to you, but I could be wrong too. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it just sucks. No, Maybe <laughs> <don't think> that's <laughs> good. Maybe it's as simple as that. It does. Suck. <laughs> no. Maybe he's no, just no, crazy. <laughs> the only other thought I had about like that purpose of that relationship, just like from a story line wise is the, the fetus stuff kind of gets started there. Like we have that through line of her right. pregnancies that we see some of that for the first time. And I guess for the second time for it to have the emotional weight that it needs, it, there had to be a time before that, that was depicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. But the uh, one other just filmmaking touch that I liked was there's a few moments. So it's very kind of like psychologically in, you know, in Marilyn's head for or in Norma Jean's head for most of the film. Right. Um, there's a few moments where she's having almost like, intrusive thoughts where like someone asked her a question and she flashes back to something horrible like how did you get your start and she flashes back to that assault yeah. and like it's just a little quick cut and there's a few times that happens that i found really devastating and just like a good use of um you know cinematic language to to get in her head in that way i thought that was kind of cool well one other thing is just kind of back on like i guess the feminism of the film or like the the themes about her plight and like how Hard her life was just the um we don't have to talk about it in detail but the fact that she you know she she seems like okay at some point she'll have enough success that she won't um be as used or something right so first of all i like the that we get some actual movie scenes recreated with her mm-hmm. and somewhere like 
Nick Jack Lemon is there. And so they must have just digitally inserted her or however they did that. Because I that's I love that movie. Uh, so I'm like it hot. It's one of my favorite kind of movies from that era. And Billy Wilder, who's not, you know, a nice guy in this film either. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it's uh, definitely affecting my relationship with that film. Uh, I, I need to talk to like, like my my friend Rance Collins, who I have on the show to yeah. talk about classic film. I know that he has certainly reckoned with like, how do you enjoy a film knowing that there's a lot of bad shit behind the scenes. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll have him on to have a discussion about that sometime. Um, but anyway, the, so there's that about it, but yeah, even though she's achieved this level, And so like we get the premiere scene where she's, you know, full Maryland and we have kind of this glamorous little montage. And then I think directly right after that is when we get the JFK stuff, which again, right. I won't go into detail with, but it's, it does seem like, okay, she's like really doing well, successful now. Maybe she doesn't have to be quite as used. And then obviously that scene is like, here's the most powerful man in the world. And right. it's like the worst part of the film. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just gets worse. And so I think um, if there's, if there's any, like the, the criticism about it being misery porn, like, yeah, maybe that's kind of what the experience of watching this is like, but maybe that's valid is kind of how I feel about it. like, that's not inaccurate right to to the degree to which people have been abused yeah um whether that's and actually her like, story or just like people yeah. generally but yeah right right yeah or at least i mean two certain aspects of her life for sure yeah yeah and like was the most powerful man in the world really this terrible to her I'm i know sure. they don't really like, like yeah explore that i mean because it it's still like just a rumor to this day right at least rumor yeah, to have happened yeah they don't deal with any of that. They're just like, yeah, it happened. Yeah, and not only did it happen, thing. he, he was just using her like everybody else. So it was kind of yeah. like, Oh, okay. So yeah, it doesn't really investigate that further. Yeah. And so that's again, where I'm like, yeah, on a rewatch or like upon, you know, scratching the surface a little deeper, maybe there's, that's part of the thematic something about, um, I don't know, the degree to which, men are terrible i guess i don't know something like that That, that's probably putting it too simply but like i think there may be something to that um but yeah i mean it's a startling scene and up to that point i was kind of like okay like i can see i can see rated r but like what what's nc17 about this i was kind of like baffled then i was like oh okay i get it there we go (laughs) right so yeah that's that scene is rough and everything i mean really from there on it's pretty rough um but it really spirals at that point yeah that's i think from there did to the end it's pretty much downhill mm-hmm. um well enough about that i did want to talk a little more about the performances uh, because i do think that anna de armas is really good in this uh how did you feel about her as, as yeah Jones? she um you know i've i've uh she, she plays a, it was before knives out i'm trying to think what movie it was um mm-hmm. you know before knives out and she's fantastic in knives out but she just like, I don't know. She's one of those actress, actors, actresses, whatever, um, who just seems to get it, you know, like she knows how um, somehow is in tune with like the tone of the movie before she knows what the movie's going to look like, um, mm. which is really hard to pull off. And she just um, she just seems to get it. And uh, again, like Knives Out, you're you're completely on her side. Um, it may have been War Dogs, honestly, mm, which okay, is yeah, random, that, but, but yeah. she was. Um, she played Miles Teller's girlfriend slash wife. Um, and, uh, yeah, just very empathetic in that as well. Um, and, uh, but yeah, she's, she, she, and, and honestly, there was, I mean, just concern going into this because, um, you know, she's 
not concerned, but it was like, oh, how's she going to pull this off? Because, you know, she has an accent. She doesn't necessarily sound like Marilyn Monroe. Um, she's a lot, uh, you know, Marilyn Monroe, Monroe was known for, you know, this big kind of like curves and uh, everything mm-hmm. like that. And Anna Amherst is, you know, is more slim. And, and, and it was just like, how is she going to like literally, you know, like physically and, you know, kind of like, um, uh, not metaphorically, what, what's the word I'm looking for, but like, um, physically sure, and mentally, mm-hmm. mentally inhabit that. Yeah. Embody this, mm-hmm. um, this person. And, and yet like, especially in scenes like the one we were talking about where she's talking with Arthur Miller and stuff, you just mm-hmm. kind of are swept up in it and, um, yeah. you just believe that she's Marilyn. So it's just kind of like, uh, Marilyn or Norma Jean dependent. Cause I mean, she really mm-hmm. does kind of alternate between, uh, the presentations uh, of, of herself yeah. depending mm-hmm. on who she's being. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, this movie's, you know, it's hard to tell because like it, this is going straight to Netflix. I don't know if people hit play on this because they're like, Oh, a Marilyn Monroe movie with the girl from the last, you know, James Bond. Uh, yeah. Cool. I'll check that out. Then they realize it's two hours and 47 minutes and they're like, eh. and then they get to like, you know, the threesome scenes and they're like, I'm checking out, you know, I don't know how many people are (laughs) going to like necessarily watch this all the way through. Um, And and so that's not, you know, that's not great for the movie. Um, But I, I, you know, I think people will be like, Oh, Anna de Armas, she's the real deal. Um, She can do anything. And she'll, if you know, this movie, this movie will, uh, you know, is obviously getting kind of dragged across the coals already and is scathing and <laughs> getting scathing reviews, but she'll come across, I think unscathed, uh, the, the yeah, most yeah. Unscathed will be her. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think she's, you know, this is kind of the role people typically, you know, will get awards looks for and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen here either. So we'll see. Yes. That's a good call. Yeah. I think I agree with all the stuff you just said there. I, I, I like her a lot in this and yeah, it's interesting because her accent does come out a, a few times in the film. And I right. wondered if that was almost like, okay, if we're like not trying to be too overly concerned with historicity, then like maybe that's part of that. We can um, let some of those details be like, be what they are. Right. Um, yeah. It didn't, it didn't bother me. And th- there are times when she's doing the voice and I like, that really sounds like Marilyn, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, just from, again, from movies that I've seen mm-hmm. with her in it. Um, so yeah, I did think she was very good. I think the first thing I saw her in was um, uh, Blade Runner, which she doesn't have a huge role in, Hell but yeah. certainly she's memorable in that as this kind of like companion hologram person. And, and I think it's like, a pretty small role, but she really makes the most of it. And like, you remember her from that movie. Uh, the first thing I saw her in was knock, knock, which is that one with Keanu Reeves where her and, uh, Eli Roth's wife, um, and forgive me, that sounds terrible, <laughs> but her name's escaping me, but, uh, they show up and they like are temptresses to, uh, is it Lorenzo Keanu Reeves. Izzo? Yes. Lorenzo yes. Izzo. Yeah. Lorenzo Izzo. Yeah. She's a, and she's in once upon a time in Hollywood and, and a lot of Eli mm-hmm. Roth stuff. But, um, uh, you know, funnily enough, yeah, she's just being like a temptress in that mm. um, she is seducing Keanu Reeves, and uh, it's not a great movie. <laughs> um, it's it's super campy, but and and Keanu Reeves yells a lot, which is pretty entertaining. But um, uh, but yeah, it's definitely like she's playing that seductress role and is is clearly putting on a show um, mm-hmm. in order to play that role in this, in, in, you know, to present to this male figure. Um, so that's kind of interesting now that I'm thinking yeah, about it's almost it. an inversion of like maybe not that she has like a typecast or like a persona right. exactly, but like in Blade Runner, she's sort of yeah, she's like a companion mm-hmm. in um, in that. It sounds like she's that. And, and I'm thinking there's something else I thought of too that 
uh, like her sex appeal is part of the role. Uh, maybe in James Bond is what I'm thinking of, like that you yeah. know Bond girl. And I, right. I haven't actually seen that, but I know it's not a straightforward Bond girl kind of a role. Um, well, but... and a lot of people, she's only in that maybe for 20 minutes, you know, oh, okay. and uh, a lot of people, that's their favorite part of the movie, which it is. It's mm-hmm. great. It's great. Um, well, I was thinking um, of I... Deep Water, which I also haven't seen, but oh, yeah. I know it's, it's like a, an erotic thriller, right? And so yeah. with that body of work and then doing this, which really is kind of inverting all that, I think it's a good casting choice for that reasons here. And this also is like... super campy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, Dude, yeah you got to watch Deep Water and let me know what you thought about that. Is like, <laughs> okay. that, is, that movie is off the... That movie's off the rails. I don't know what is happening. I can't remember that director's name, but he did uh, um, Unfaithful. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he has like that and sort of nineties. Maybe another thriller. kind of like erotic thriller. Uh, yeah, Adrian Lynn. Maybe yeah. Jake what was the? Did he Lily. do like one uh, of those Fatal major... Attraction? But yeah. Fatal okay. Attraction. I didn't want to say Fatal Attraction in case and I was wrong. But I was like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's yeah. it's nuts. You got to watch track it. record there. Yeah. 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 Well, I always, with this kind of stuff, I always hope like, oh, maybe some like, you know, toxic dudes will be like, oh, look, let's watch this movie with this hot girl in it. And then be like, oh, this is like this deeply feminist movie that's going <laughs> to like change their lives. Maybe that's um, too, too idealistic to think about. But maybe with that, that casting of her, it's like, in a way, yeah. it's, um, can catch people off guard or that's something. That's not a bad, so. hey, it could happen. <laughs> it's on Netflix. It could, it could definitely yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yep, yep. Well, I wanted to mention two, uh, one other performance, and that is, um, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Bobby uh, Cannavale. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure how you say it. He, as Joe DiMaggio, uh, is so good. He's good in everything I think that I've seen him in, but like I think he really nails the, like when you first see him, there's like, this great just close up shot of him at the table and he's looking so dapper and like right. <laughs> uh, that, that, that scene is great. And then later he's, you know terrible oh, there's a couple of really good shots too that are like pov shots one of him angry coming in because it's yeah. the seven year itch thing like the the skirt blowing up has happened and he's there and then he's just furious and um the shot of him raging up the stairs i thought that was really good and there's a similar shot of her later in the film too that i liked as well yeah anyway, yeah I thought, I thought he was really good in the in the movie i was like oh he spike lead it <laughs> there for a second that, that stair one you know <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, he, I, I, I like Bobby Cannavale too. And he's, uh, I, I kind of wish he had more to do here. Um, mm-hmm. cause I felt like out of the, you know, the three, um, DiMaggio, just like that section of the film just kind of served to reinforce that, oh, it's happening again mm-hmm. type thing there. What, you know, like at least Arthur Miller and the two juniors at least kind of had an angle on like what, um, impressions and form they were taking or impressing mm-hmm. upon, uh, Marilyn's life. Uh, whereas DiMaggio was just like, oh, he turned out to be another kind of, uh, you know, it almost felt like, yeah, this is a publicity stunt. We got to kind of make this work. Uh, this will be good for both of us. I'm retired. You're getting older kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's just let's just make it work. And he turns out to be not not able to handle her her profession <laughs> is how we'll yeah, put it, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of wish he because I, I, I do. I like it, you know. I just like him as a, as a presence. Um, hmm. uh, but I kind of wish he'd had a little bit more to, to do in his, his portion of the movie. Hmm. Yeah. And then we already mentioned Adrian Brody, but I thought he was yeah. so, so good in this too. I did um, too. I really liked uh, his kind of limited screen time. But yeah, that I thought he was great. One other thing was, and this is kind of more about, you know, it being on Netflix um, and being curious. This is more just kind of like a cure. Yeah. A kind of a question, I guess of, you know, 
the audience for this. Like, who's going to end up yeah. watching this? I'm very curious yeah. to know. I'd love to just like walk through a line of like seeing different households who choose to play this and just seeing how far they make it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that data I'm sure is very interesting for this film. It, yeah. it, well, and I kind of had the same thought about, um, about Elvis earlier this year, because it was mm -hmm. like, you know, it's been so long since, um, you know, since Elvis's death at this point, um, Elvis is, you know, I knew more about Elvis than Marilyn Monroe, um, mm -hmm. you know, going into that movie. But, um, but still, I wonder like, people growing up, like, are they going to take this, you know, if they decide to watch this people in their teens, are they going to take this as like, Oh, this is what Marilyn Monroe's life was like, yeah. period. Mm -hmm. um, you know, are older people going to be like, this is not what I thought her life was like. Mm -hmm. This can't be, you know, I'm just very, yeah. Uh, again, it's, you know, as time continues to go on and these, you know, major historical figures like get older and older further into the past and everything. Uh, I'm just more and more curious how modern audiences, uh, you know, and especially different generations of audiences are going to um, not just like or dislike the the movies, but kind of interpret them mm -hmm. and, and how they impact their kind of the makeup of their thoughts around these figures. So yeah, um, yeah that's know. really it's interesting. Yeah. Kind of an interesting thing with, uh, uh, you know, with both of those movies coming out this year, but nothing really we can <laughs> discuss further about it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is like it's all of Gen Z just gonna hate JFK now. He's like, right. the worst. we don't even know if that really happened, right? And I um, think the guy yeah. who played JFK in this was the same guy who played him in Jackie. Oh, interesting. I think I'll have to look that up. I but could yeah, be wrong. I mean, he, look, but... he has he has the, the look. I think. In yeah. Place. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I actually haven't caught up with Elvis just yet, but yeah, it is interesting. Where like, I feel like for Elvis, there's like, like our parents' generation have a reason to want to watch that because like, oh mm -hmm. we, we grew up with elvis like we know about elvis um and that movie I, again i haven't seen it but i think it's a little bit more palatable than this one from what i understand oh for sure yeah <laughs> so it like, still takes some yeah. some pretty big swings with uh or yeah. you know take some liberties um but yeah it's definitely not as um uh contemplative or ethereal sure, yeah. or brutal <laughs> so yeah, yeah. um so yeah. like an elvis fan can watch elvis and like it but a maryland fan who's like i don't know like our parents age not right. this is maybe not the film for them <laughs> right yeah we'll uh, yeah i really i i'm very curious to if nothing else i'm very curious to talk to other people who have seen this movie about yeah. it and at least kind of see where yeah. the discussion goes and I, I have been trying to avoid you know reactions to it but now after we record this i'm gonna go read some things and see oh, okay because yeah i know some people i mean i think probably there's some really valid arguments against this movie and yeah. probably some really valid arguments for it as well um i did come down on the side of liking it i haven't like put a letterboxd rating on it or anything just yet but i think in general i'm positive on this film as as weird and as challenging as it is uh, i'll probably uh, cop yeah. out and just end up putting like a three on it or something <laughs> like, right you can't hate me either way <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I'll, I'll throw some comments in there too but yeah i i uh, again it's one of those one of those things where you know talk to me in five six years and we'll mm -hmm. see we'll see where the where the consensus is at then but um but yeah i think it definitely if if i certainly didn't enjoy watching it don't know how often i will revisit it uh, but yeah. at the same time i'm like yeah there it deserves to um kind of be reconsidered at least in in, yeah. in you know in a couple of years so we'll see we'll see i'm, I, I'm yeah. eager to see where it goes yeah I agree. And I was just going to say like, cause I thought, you know, going to this, this is the kind of movie that could end up like being one of my favorites of the year. And I don't think it's that, but I did enjoy right it. Uh, or not, I didn't get it, not enjoy, but I did think it was good. Um, so 
yeah. Anyway, I guess we can wrap up our our non-committal thoughts about blonde. (laughs) (laughs) We're too scared to go either way. Yeah. (laughs) To get yeah no I yeah Yeah. no I I didn't love it but um but I definitely think you know it's interesting and there's there's some Mm -hmm. stuff to uh there's some stuff to to appreciate about it for sure so um but no thank you for for letting me come on and and yeah it's always always a pleasure yeah for sure and i was gonna say thank you for for coming on and uh and giving us your time for this episode i really really appreciate it and uh hope to have you back soon yeah i uh, you need to we need to get you to stop by the the movie tavern again soon especially with all the uh you know the um, screenings coming up all the awards type films awards season happening we'll We'll probably be favorite a lot time of, of year. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully we'll I be a blockbuster lot of season just fine. But like fall and winter, that's my that's my jam. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll we'll have to figure something out because I'm I'm sure we'll be at a lot of the same screenings and stuff. So yes, yes. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you, as always, to Philip. I never get tired of hearing his perspective. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, after I talked to Philip, I read some discourse online about Blonde. And there are a lot of opinions floating around about this film and its treatment of abortion. Specifically, a lot of viewers see the film as anti-abortion. A spokesperson for Planned Parenthood even spoke out against this film, saying that it, quote, contributes to anti-abortion propaganda, end quote. I certainly understand why someone would watch this film and come away seeing it as anti-abortion, but that is not the reaction I had to it at all. I actually felt that it was pretty strongly pro-choice. Here's why. First of all, as discussed earlier in the episode, what we see depicted in the film is not an attempt at historical accuracy. In doing a little research, I saw some reports saying that the actual historical Norma Jean didn't have any abortions in her lifetime, and then I saw other reports saying she had as many as 12. So really, who knows? What we see in the film is a woman deprived of choice. Norma in the film is pregnant three times, and all three pregnancies are terminated against her will. It's unusual because we're used to seeing pro-choice films about characters being forced to carry pregnancies that they'd rather terminate, and being deprived of choice because they don't have access to abortion. But interestingly, this story goes the other way. But the common ground is choice. Norma Jean's choice is taken away in reproduction and in almost every other facet of her life. And not only that, the film really focuses in on those moments when Norma's bodily autonomy is taken away, and those are the most horrific scenes in the film. Think of the first abortion scene when, on the operating table, Norma tearfully says she's changed her mind and she doesn't want to go through with the procedure, and she is ignored. Whether this really happened isn't the point. Either way, the scene is a pretty strong argument that a woman should be in control of her own body. What about the fact that Norma herself regrets her abortions in the film? This story really tries to put us in Norma's headspace and understand her psychologically, and in that light, it's not unusual at all that a woman living in the 1950s would have a sense of guilt over having an abortion. In fact, it would be more unusual if a person at that time didn't have some sense of regret. So no, I don't think that that makes the film anti-abortion either. For what it's worth, those are some of my thoughts about the film and its political stance. If you agree or disagree, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Email me, andrew, at arthousegarage.com. Next time on the show, we continue our series through the films of Terrence Malick. Bethany Worden is back for that, and we're discussing the 2005 film, 
the new world. Don't miss it. And with that, thank you, thank you for listening to Art House Garage. We have a few years worth of episodes now. You can hear all of those podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, you can leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.